Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Transform Sales Podcast. Today, I am so delighted to have Nicholas Toper with me today. How are you, Nicholas? I'm good, thank you. Let me tell you a bit about Nicholas. He is the CEO and co-founder of Inbox Booster, a platform that uses AI to ensure emails don't end up in spam or promotions. The platform served over 2,000 clients and has recently been featured in several articles, including Forbes and Business Mole. Nicholas has a master's of science in computer science, and he has four patents as well as speaks three languages. So I am so excited to interview you today because you have a very, very diverse background and I'm excited to dig in. So tell me, how did you start your career and how did you get to where you are today? So the way I started is actually very, very simple. Is uh, after high school, I kind of got uh, expelled uh, of my place from my dad and I had to work. And in France, it's very, very hard to find uh, a job if you don't really know people or don't have a degree. But people are okay to give you a chance as an independent. So that's kind of how I got started. But I was actually really looking for a stable employment and uh, I couldn't find it. And uh, so I kind of uh, started a business and some worked, some didn't. And in the end, uh, I kind of uh, understood how that works. And I still at it, even though now I can have a stable job. But I started by necessity, not by uh, vocation or anything. Ah, necessity. Okay, so you started out your career because your dad was like, you got to go, you got to work, you got to do something. And you, from there, you kind of took that and decided what you were going to do with your career. So tell us the first step that you took when you initially went into the workforce. The first step I took was to try to find, so because I didn't know how to do anything, and uh, nobody was uh, willing to give me a, a shot at employment. Because, again, I'm French and in France, uh, employment is like uh, almost lifetime. So it's not something they give uh, easily. They're going to give you short-term contracts. It's kind of easy to get. And it's kind of the same even for really bad jobs. So even as a waiter, they want you to actually know how to do it. So you have kind of, uh, there's this cash 22 problem with uh, how do you do that if you don't know uh, how to do it, if nobody has shown you. So... I went in internet at that time because uh, nobody knew how to do anything there. So like, okay, I don't know uh, anything, but they don't either. So there is no disadvantage. And people were willing to try everything, to try a lot. So they were willing to give me a little bit of money to experiment and to do what they felt they wanted. So that's kind of, I got into it. And so the first step I took to now answer your question is figuring out that I didn't know anything, but finding a place where the others, the competition didn't know more than me. So they would have no unfair advantage. And at that time, I didn't realize it, but I had an unfair advantage, which was I was basically uh, hungry because I needed the money and the others, the competition didn't. And two, so because of that, I was willing to work harder and also uh, better, at least uh, simply because I was working harder. So that's really kind of uh, how I got started. That's the first step. And the second step was uh, also figuring out a place where even if you don't know anything, you still have job free. So you can find customers. So it really starts by uh, being very honest with yourself and knowing what you're good at and you're bad at and finding a place where uh, there is demand for that. Ah, awesome, awesome. So in that first, in your first step into the business world, if you will, you said, hey, I went out there and it sounds like you did an early competitive advantage, SWOT analysis. You're like, okay, yeah. what are the gaps in the market and where are my competitors kind of not doing so well? So after you had that early experience, what was the, the next step in your career? The next step after that, so the first business kind of grew. I had a, a bit of customers. 
So I hired people. And that was, uh, in hindsight, a terrible mistake because one, I actually didn't want to manage people at that time. And two, I didn't understand basic accounting. So I had to uh, shut down the company because simply we had more debts than we could because I wasn't making enough money. And I didn't realize it in hindsight. So uh, the second step was try to grow before having uh, the right foundation. Another something I'm uh, obsessed with is before I grow a company, I feel very, very careful to having what I call the right foundation, meaning like uh, everything is kind of solid. You literally have foundation where you can grow up on top of. And that's wow. something I'm uh, very careful about. It flows yeah. into one of my core principles, which I say people plus process equals profit. If you don't have the right people in the right seat, you don't have the right process, then you're not going to be profitable. And it sounds like maybe you had the right people, but you didn't have the management foundations. You didn't have the, the processes, the things that you needed to actually help the company grow. And so you did a really hard thing. You said, I'm just shutting it down. So... From I, that, I don't have a choice, uh, by the way. I don't have a choice. It's, uh, it has to show. It's, uh, I don't know how you call that in, in English, but uh, it's. Uh, but I had to go, like, I think it was chapter 11 or something, but like, basically it was, uh, it was dead. Ah, mm. so that would translate in the U.S. as, like, you had to file bankruptcy. Literally, yeah, you had to say your company was bankrupt. And so yeah. you tried, but there's nothing else that could be done. Yeah, exactly. But in France, it's a big deal. Like, you have to go uh, to... Uh, there's a trial. Yeah, somebody's uh, looking at what you did to make sure that you didn't do anything wrong and you didn't uh, embezzle funds or anything. So uh, it's kind of a big thing. It takes a few years actually to get out of that. Oh yeah, it's a big thing here too. If you say that you're bankrupt, it's essentially you're saying I can't pay the people that I owe, and so they have to take that debt on as their own, right? They have to write that off as bad mm. debt. And they want to make sure that you're not defrauding the government, you're not defrauding the customers, or I mean the vendors, or even your customers, right? Maybe you didn't deliver what you said you were going to deliver and you took their money. So it's a big thing here too. It's a big thing. So from that lesson, because coming back from being bankrupt, right? Starting a company, being bankrupt, and then rebuilding yourself. What did you do next? What happened? The first step is the company's being bankrupt was, at that time, it was really painful because I had uh, the first company was going down, but on top of that, in my place, the house, the roof actually fell. So I really had everything at once. Uh, so you kind of have these years uh, where uh, everything uh, goes into chaos and everything breaks or is literally uh, or utterly destroyed. And what did I do next is make sure that this doesn't happen again. <laughs> so the rebuilding, uh, like, okay, I don't want to be in this situation again because that's really, really painful. So how do I make sure to not get there? Mm, so what did you do? How did you figure out first? You had to figure out what went wrong. So when yeah. you figured out what went wrong, what were the things that you realized you didn't do right? And how did you fix them? So first of all, I didn't do anything. I just uh, rested and I, as much as I could because uh, I still need to find a job and all that. But basically, I took it easy initially. I realized that in hindsight, looking at it. But that's kind of, I think, an important step, which is to just take time for yourself. Mm. and kind of grieve or just to take care of you that's actually yeah. important and then after that uh then you'll figure out what's going wrong and uh, you'll kind of think about it uh, if you give yourself time it's kind of uh well this was kind of the easy part i guess for everybody it's kind of the easy part and i don't think it should be uh yeah and i'm not sure people will have trouble uh reflecting on that on what went wrong when they did something like that so you have to think about it and then you take action and that's actually the easy part because yeah. uh for instance i realized i didn't know enough about accounting so I took a basic class of accounting and now I'm still checking uh, my income flow uh, now monthly. That's because I can afford it. But when I couldn't, I was checking it weekly. 
those are things that are actually are expensive or so those are things that you're learning how to do and the second thing i've kind of understood is uh things can fail mm. and you just don't want you want to avoid a cascade failure like everything's fa failing in cascade which is uh i guess how people in silicon valley don't care about that but here that's basically what i learned is you need to make sure that not everything's going to fail at the same time and mm -hmm. that means uh, having money on the side, setting boundaries to make sure that uh, there are boundaries that you will not cross. Uh, like, for instance, your business is going down, it's not going well. Should you put your savings in it or not? Uh, those are uh, kind of uh, the questions that uh, you need to answer uh, before you're in the situation. Mm, so really getting a handle on money. It sounds like that was your biggest thing. And many times as people, as business owners, as managers, there's something that we're not really good at. And instead of addressing it, we just stick our head in the sand, right? We are like, I don't want to deal with that. That was bad. I'm just going to ignore it and move on. But you really realize like in order for me to be successful in business again, I must learn this. I must understand this. And it's not, you didn't just learn it. You stayed very close to it. So you said you were checking your income statements every single week. And so for those who don't know what income statements is, if you're an individual contributor in a company, that's like, I'm checking my sales reports. I'm checking what's sold. I'm checking my commissions. And as a business owner, that's checking your profit and loss. Did we lose this week? How much did we bring in this week? How much debts do we owe this week? And to go further in your point, uh, money is kind of a consequence of everything else in this sense, especially in business. It's not the primary uh, element. So the fact that you make money is because you're selling something good and that people want to buy. And so you have to look at it that way. So if you're not making money or you're losing money or there is a problem with money, it's a symptom of something else. Mm. That's kind of how I look at this. Same thing if you're making money. Everybody wants to make money. That's kind of an obvious thing, right? But the point is, if you make money, it's not enough. It's not, oh, I want to make money and money will appear. Is You need to deliver something that people will give you money. And so if you're doing that properly, then you will have money. So mm. the kind of the money information, or like whether you're making money or you're losing money, is really a, it's a symptom. Same thing. If you're, uh, to go to your second point, if you're losing money because you have too high expenses and you're avoiding it, then you're going to be uh, in much more pain. But tracking the money flow will love to give you money as soon as you have a good enough credit score. But they manage to kind of really hide, uh, in a way, uh, how much uh, you're going to, um, it's going to cost you. And yeah. when you have a credit card, you don't have to pay it all the way. They're like, oh yeah, keep it. It's really just very cheap. It's, it, don't worry about it. But in the end, uh, you end up owing $100,000 to the bank uh, pretty easily if you're not careful. And yeah. so you need to track that so you don't end up in this kind of situation. And you need to be comfortable being uncomfortable. That's the other mm. thing. Because to go to your point, if you detect something that's wrong, I mean, that you really have a problem and you're uncomfortable doing it, you kind of need to lean in. Not necessarily to, not by masochism or anything, but just to make sure that uh, is this really something, is there really a problem or is it just something I don't like doing? Mm, that's good. Yeah. Is it something that I'm not good at or is it something that I don't enjoy? Because again, sometimes there's a skills gap and sometimes there's a desire gap, right? So which one do you have? Are you low on this skill set? And there is a third problem also is, Am I avoiding this because of, uh, of course, problems? Like, for instance, this credit card debt example is one of those examples. Am I avoiding thinking about my finance because uh, my lifestyle is too expensive for what I'm making right now and I need to rethink about it, to rethink it, and I want to defer that decision as long as possible? And going to that point, I found out there are two types of problems. There are 
90% of the problem kind of disappear if you just uh, wish them away, kind of, if you just wait. Like, uh, I don't know, like I have a pain uh, in my hand. If I wait a week, I, I don't know, just an example, and then it disappear and I have nothing to do. But there are a second type of problems that compound, and money is one of that usually. If you don't take care of them, they're going to become really, really, really big. And uh, the more you wait, the harder it will be to fix. So for 90% of the problem, especially if you're in a business, you don't want to take care of them. But for those type of problems, you need to take care of them as soon as you can because uh, they tend to become uh, unsolvable after a point. Yeah, and that's so true. So it's the skills, it's the desire, and it's the avoidance, right? So which bucket are your problems falling into? Are you, do you have a skills gap? Do you really not know how to do this thing? Do you have a desire gap? Do you know how to do it? You just don't enjoy doing it? Or is it that you're avoiding it because you know it's really bad and once you start addressing it and you start uncovering all the things that happened, you're like, wow, this is a much bigger problem than I thought. And this can be with something small, such as like, no, I'm not doing social media. It could be, I don't know how to work on social media, whether it's Instagram or LinkedIn or whatever. I don't like being on social media. Or I know when I get on social media, I spend three hours on there and it gets me into a rabbit hole, right? Or something as big as money. And so I think as business owners, it's really important to understand when there are challenges in your business, you really have to figure out which one of those buckets the challenge is falling into. And another issue is figuring out actually there is a challenge. And this ah. kind of... So with the money, it's easy because you just look at your Excel or you just look at your account and you check if you have more money than the last month. And uh, if you don't, then you should have an explanation. And if you do, you should. That's easy because it's very quantitative. But for instance, about social media, to refine your example, is this because you don't go to social media because you have too many customers already and you don't want any more? Or is it because you're afraid of uh, like showing yourself and showing your product? Or, uh, and all of that are actually interesting and you need to be uh, willing to dig into that to build a successful business, in my opinion. Yes, and I always say the first step is realization. Do I realize that there is a roadblock or there is a barrier, there is something that is holding me back from doing the thing, from moving forward, from getting to where I need to be. And if you're not honest with yourself as a business owner, this permeates within your organization because what happens is your employees start making excuses. They're not being held accountable. They're not pushing themselves out of their comfort zone. They're like, this is my job. I only do the one thing. And you're like, but I need you to do five things. And you're not pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. So as a business owner, as a leader within an organization, really, really identifying that is key. And uh, in France, leadership is interesting also because it's different from France and in the US. In France, people uh, put a lot more emphasis on the exemplarity of the leader. So you're supposed to do something and other people are supposed to copy you, which is weird if you think about it because why would they? But in the US, but there is an element of that. Like if you go out of work at 3 p.m. because uh, and uh, they will cannot expect uh, other people to work uh, 70 hours per week if you're working uh, 20 uh from that point of view, this is uh, normal. And it's not as obvious as it sounds. And conversely, you actually need to be very clear about uh, leadership expectations and uh, what you want from other people. And yeah. what are the values? But if you don't leave the values, then nobody's going to do just uh, the standard type of companies where they do something and they say something different. And you don't want to be that type of company. Absolutely. Or at least I don't want to work in that type of company. Nobody wants to be in that kind of organization. It's 
This is not a, a do what I say dictatorship type experience. And, you know, we're talking about younger generations now and even some of the older generations. It's people literally need a roadmap. I had a call with somebody recently and she was saying, yeah, with my more veteran salespeople, I just kind of let them do what they want to do. And what I found is that's not working for them. They need to know what to do, how to do it. They want to be developed. And that onus falls on us as leaders to develop our people. So now you have all of this information, you've done all of these amazing things to work on yourself personally and professionally. So where did that take you next in your career? So after that, I started a business, which this time worked because uh, I've actually uh, learned from my mistakes, I guess, I hope. And uh, at least it worked. So, and after that, uh, I built a couple of other businesses from France, but um, because France is a very uh, kind of complicated setup, I kind of maintained the business uh, kind of, I wouldn't say small, because that's small, that's true, but also uh, profitable. And then I, uh, I got into an incubator here still don't completely understand how, but I got in. And because of that, we got investors in the US and we were, uh, I moved back to France because uh, I saw my business. So I was able to uh, not work for a couple of years and I had kids. So I took time off to uh, spend time with them. And then I restarted. Uh, now uh, I relocated uh, from France to here uh, a year and a half ago. And this new business, is, uh, which is uh, Inbox Booster, is taking off and uh, it's growing strongly. And uh, so we're pretty happy about it. And I went also in this phase where I took some time off, I actually gave a lot of thought about what I wanted to do. And I was trying to be very deliberate about uh, this next phase of my career. Mm -hmm. And I tried to really think about what I wanted out, what time of lifestyle I wanted, because what I found is uh, having kids forced you to be a lot more deliberate uh, about uh, work. Yeah. And also you kind of care more. I don't know how to, that makes sense. It's not so much that uh, you have responsibilities because you need to provide for them and all that, but it's also because uh, you kind of want to do something uh, more or that kind of makes more sense. Uh, and that's not uh, just in for the money, if that makes sense. That's also because uh, my previous businesses were successful. So I kind of didn't have to think as much about it uh, than that. Like, because uh, my previous businesses was really surely uh, when I, people were asking, why did you create it? The answer is to pay the rent, which is, uh, now I'm more uh, thoughtful, so now I'm more thoughtful about it, I'm more deliberate and uh, I'm okay. Why do I want to spend time on that? Yeah. Or why do I want to relocate from uh, a lower cost country like France to the US, which is a lot more expensive, uh, where uh, some things are better and some others are not. So why would I want to do that and how can I make things better? Because that's kind of what I'm thinking about. Yes. And when you have a family, whether it's kids or a spouse, or you're stepping into that realm of life, you make these decisions that you didn't make when you were a single person, right? Because you're thinking about what is the legacy that I want to leave for my children? How much time do I want to spend with them? Do I want to be on the road all the time? Do I want to have to work 12, 14 hours a day? Because you think about the time that you're investing, the time you're spending with those that you love. And as people take steps in their career and they take steps in their life for business, these are important things to consider. It's not just this company is paying me a lot of money and I like that title. It's like, what is my quality of life? Because at the end of the day, that is what matters. Your mental health, your physical health, how you feel at the end of the day, how your children receive you when you get home, when you're done, how your spouse receives you. Like those are the things that matter. Yeah, I think so. So coming from a, a French background, it's a bit easier because, uh, but in the end, I would say that, uh, so French people will say like a job is just a job. 
So uh, it's basically here to pay the bills and then I should be done with it. American would have a, a very different point of view from that. It's kind of uh, where uh, a lot of your social status is going to be derived from. And you need to be passionate about your job. The truth is that both are true and uh, it depends on your, where you're in life and it depends what you want. And so uh, there is not a good or bad answer, but you need to accommodate both. And uh, clearly when I took care of my first, so I, initially I was the primary care parent for my uh, first daughter. And uh, I was basically spending a lot of time with her. And yeah, people at work didn't really, like not people at work, but people in my surroundings didn't really understand what I was doing. They thought I was just uh, crazy. But I still working, but not a lot. And now I'm back to work full time, so it's very different. But I think it's important to spend a couple of years to understand all that. Yes, uh, I completely agree. And it's okay to work a lot. There is nothing wrong with that. You just need to be uh, cognizant of that, deliberate, and understand that it's when you spend less time with your children. And you need to kind of find something that works for everybody, including your children. Absolutely. What what works for your household is really important. And what works for that stage of life, right? Because I'm like, man, how did I used to fly all around and spend all this time in hotels and airports and in customer sites? And now I'm like, I like being at home. <laughs> I like that having to fly all the time, right? But it's, I'm in a different stage of my life. And so it is really important to understand where you are. So tell us about your company. I would call it a toddler. It's less than two years old. So tell us about what you do within your organization and how you help people. So we make sure that your emails are not going to be in spam. And that when they are, we're going to tell you why. And we're going to help you fix the problem by telling you why. And that, so it's called Inbox Booster. And the reason that I started it is because so I used to work in email before, and in email, if you're a Samsung, if you're a, one of those big companies, they're going to not have problems because the system is made for you. So if you're a, like LinkedIn, you're never going or very rarely going to end up in spam, and you don't even need to work it out. It's going to be almost automated. Google, Outlook knows those are valid emails. They're going to be very careful. Now, if you're a small sender, like a small business owner, like a restaurant, you're going to, and you try to send a newsletter to your patrons, you're probably going to end up in spammer promotion and you don't know why. If you're a sales leader or a sales organization and you're sending emails to your leads, you're also going to very easily end up in spam and it's very, very painful for your business. You don't know how to what to do and that's what we're fixing, for instance. And why I did it is because uh, there is an imbalance of power. If you're a large organization, you're never going to have that problem. You're going to offer consultants that are going to pay you. You're going to pay a couple of thousands per month. There's nothing for the small people, for the normal people like you or me or uh, most people. So that's what we're trying to address. Like if you want to send a newsletter, if you send some sales email and you end up in spam, you need to understand why. And if you understand why, then you can fix it. And that's what we're addressing. And we're really telling you why we fix that for, uh, uh, so we have a free plan and a paying mode, but we've done that for a couple of thousands of people now. And it's, uh, and it's very useful and we've, uh, helped uh, lots of sales companies who were in spam to put out the spam and to but most importantly to understand why so they don't get back which is mm. kind of a weird business model because in a lot of ways success for us means that the customers is leaving and stop giving us money mm. but wow. we're fine with that yeah you're good so in the thing um that i like i'm gonna call you the root cause guy because you you dig to the root cause the thread that has connected all of your stories and your journey through your career is you're like, I understand the why, why is this happening? What went wrong? And you try to fix it. And so the challenge that you're talking about is it's a really big challenge. And 
Because I tell people, I'm like, you are spamming people. <laughs> and it literally, when you are sending all of those emails, it does end up in spam. And then you think the effectiveness of your campaign or even your one-to-one emails, because if the domain is, is blacklisted or whatever may be happening, you can be sending an email to a customer and they don't get it. So I am glad to know that you, there are solutions for this challenge that we have in the marketplace. And even figuring out if your email is in spam is a problem. You don't even know. And mm. as you said, salespeople, a lot are going to spam. There is a, a lot of reasons for that. But also, it's okay to... Uh, so it depends. Like, first, it's a very market-specific thing. So, for instance, uh, that's something I've noticed is if you're in sales, HR people, they love to be sold to. So they love to receive cold email. Uh, a lot of it's probably too strong of a work, but at least it's your job to read it and they understand it. And... Conversely, developers, they hate it. So spam is really in the high of the beholder. Uh -huh. So if you're sending an email to HR people and trying to sell, uh, oh, it's my new HR solution that will help you do a streamline whichever process, or <laughs> they're going to look into it if you do it right. If you sell to developers, even if it's really cool, they're going to hate it. So it's kind of, uh, it's really a sales thing is you need to figure out which channel and how do you reach out to your uh, to your leads. And sometimes it's working, sometimes it's not, but with spam filters, what really happens is it's unused the salesperson and the sales organization to be careful. And you need to not spam. And if you do spam, there are uh, consequences. Yeah. And being blacklisted is one of that. And so you need to, then you need to pay us to uh, fix it. But you, after you've paid us, you, what matters is you need to uh, stop spamming and be careful. Yeah. And we're giving you all the tools to do that. And that is working because uh, the interesting bit is that it's working because uh, they don't want to get into this situation again because uh, usually it takes uh, one to two weeks to fix because so they've lost, uh, they, they usually are not very happy about their assessments. Mm, that's good. That's good. Nicholas, this has been a, a very fantastic conversation and learning about your journey of starting your career and having to file bankruptcy and rebuilding yourself. And even going, if you think about the story of going from bankruptcy to being able to take a few years off and selling your company, that is such an, a fantastic thing. And I want to ask you, what is the one best way that people can get in contact with you if they want to? Uh, that's super easy to go on inboxbooster.com and at the bottom they can book a meeting with me or they can email me directly awesome awesome well again thank you so much for sharing thank your you. time your talent and your expertise with us today thank you very much thank you for making me talk and that was another episode of the transform sales podcast remember in all that you do in every day transform your sales until next time